Welcome to episode 61 of Keeping Up with the Joneses. You sound all official like a newsreader. Thank you. I was going to throw in a jingle, but I know how you're banning me from jingles. Do you know what's new this week? What's new this week? I've been getting up super early. You have been getting up super early. And I don't think it's super early for normal people. It's just super early for me. Well, it's probably super early for a lot of people. I've been taking advantage of the fact that I was jet lagged. Mm -hmm. And I've forgotten how much I enjoy waking up before everybody else does. Okay, do tell. Well, I got this app on my phone called Mm -hmm. Sleep Cycle. Mm -hmm. And the premise of the app is that you plug your phone in, you set the time that you would like to wake up at, Mm -hmm. and then you put the phone beside your pillow, not under your pillow, not underneath the sheets or anything like that, just rest it beside on your bed beside your pillow. And then it will monitor through the accelerometer on your phone how restless you are and where you are in your sleep cycle. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that if you want to get up at, say, 7 a.m., you give it a window to wake you up, typically half an hour, and it won't wake you up any later than 7 a.m., but sometime between 6.30 and 7, it will just monitor... And when you're at your lightest period, it will just wake you up. Yes. Now, it or sounds wake your wipe up. <laughs> it sounds like hocus pocus, but based on the facts of my experience, it's absolutely awesome. Based on five days of experience, it's absolutely awesome. It is. And here's the other thing I've noticed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually matter what time you wake up at. Okay. And what I mean by that is I've woken up at nine AM before. Mm-hmm. And felt groggy. Mm-hmm. I've also woken up at 5.30 a.m. like I have this week and felt super alert. So right. it's not the time of when you wake up. It's probably how you wake up and how much sleep you've had before. Yes, I agree. I remember when I was a teenager, my friend Andy Wallace and I had this job where we would open up a, uh, not a coffee shop, what do you call it? Candy shop. A candy shop, a news agent's, a newspaper store. Mm-hmm. And we would open the store at 6 a.m., which meant I woke up at 5.30 a.m. every day of the week, Monday, Monday through Saturday. Yeah, I would have been 13 years old. Started work there at 13. Okay. And worked there for five years. Wow. So for five years, six days a week, I'd get up at 5.30. I'd get dressed. You worked before school for mm-hmm. five days a week? 5.30 a.m., I'd be home at 8 a.m. And there was something magical about being awake before everybody else was. Is it because you think you know something? Because you're the only one awake. Yeah, you feel like you're in a secret world. Did I say (laughs) secret world or secret world? You said secret, but I think we all understand (laughs) you mean secret. It is like you're in a secret world. I I used to love it. And then you'd get home at 8 a.m. And my family was just kind of waking up at 8 a.m. But I felt like I had a head start on the world. And I forgot how much I loved it. And now here you are in your secret world again. <laughs> well, the other cool thing about this particular app yeah. is if you have Philips Hue, which every self-respecting geek should have. Philips Hue for it those... It is possible there's non-geeks listening to this show, but yes. So a Philips Hue light bulb is a Wi-Fi enabled light bulb that can display 16 million colors. Mm-hmm. So we have a bunch of them in our house. In this particular case, I have them in our bedside table lights. This little app will wake you up using the light bulbs and simulate a sunrise. Mm -hmm. It's the first alarm. You don't look impressed, but it's the first alarm I've ever had that I don't hate. Well, because I'm experiencing the other part of it, which is I'm on a different sleep cycle than you. And 
experience not so much the Philips Hue waking me up as the light from the bathroom waking me up or you stumbling around trying to find your running shorts at 5.20 in the morning. But typically you fall back to sleep again and I know that based on my research because I come in and you're like... First of all, there's no way you make it in the door without waking me up. <laughs> so You're drugged you out of your tree. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> you, you called me El Presidente the other day. I did not. You did. I absolutely I walked not. in the room and you were like, Viva El Presidente. Where do liars go again? Remind me. Right. Anyway, waking up felt absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And I've been loving it. And I've been taking advantage of that, of going for a run. Yeah. And a, by a run, <laughs> and by run I mean a brisk walk. Okay. No, I walk two miles every morning. That's awesome. It's really good. And anyway, it's amazing. Yes. Feet on the floor before six a.m. changes your life. Yes. He said, having done it for five days. <laughs> we'll see what next. Well, week is technically, like. you didn't even do it for five days because you took Friday off, so you did it for four days. But what did I hate about Friday? Um. That we didn't have enough tacos? No, that I didn't wake up. <laughs> I just thought, mm-hmm. no, actually. That's true, because then you did it again on Saturday. Yeah, and I, I love, love it. Because you woke me up early on Saturday. Let yeah, it go. I love it too. Let it go. Tell me about the rest of your week. Well, um, I spoke Why do you sound like you're fast asleep? You sound like you're reading a children's story. <laughs> well, <laughs> there once was and a little... Then, the bunny hopped across the street and was eaten by the large dinosaur. Um, I spoke at m What did you speak on? I spoke on essentially using the character of Josiah. Talking about... You're going to have to destiny. speak at an audible level because I, I, I'm not I a dog and I can't hear you. Okay. So speak loudly. Oof. <laughs> I, I spoke on Josiah. Good. good. Yeah. Great. About destiny. Okay, there we go. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit mm-hmm. more. And the kids were in VBS all week this week. Vacation Bible School? Yes, with Jeff Slaughter. Who Tia wants to marry? Yes, I think I think she may have moved on. Yeah, we did have a discussion about who she wants to marry now. This is my six-year-old daughter. Yes. Who's decided that she wants to marry somebody because he's kind. Mm-hmm. So we're teaching and her good things. she calls him her true love. Which is very sweet. No more Disney movies for that six-year-old. <laughs> no. The big brown eyes talking about her true love. I'm like, we're in so much trouble. <laughs> Your mom is in town. She is. She got here last Sunday. So she's been here a week. Any awesome stories you want to tell about your mom? I, I took her to experience a hundred-layer donut. And what was her feedback? She, I said, isn't it kind of like eating a baby angel? And she's like, oh, my goodness. I'm so glad I can't buy these where I live. Mm-hmm. And she loved the drip coffee from Honest Roasters. We just got like normal drip coffee. Of course, I didn't. I got a Cuban. But she just sat there and drank it. You know, like she drew it out for two hours and just kept talking about how good it was. I think it's interesting that I don't like coffee. Interesting how? Well, everybody else that I greatly respect drinks coffee. Or tea? Nope, just coffee. Okay. I mean, the people Never I... Never respect a tea drinker. No. Got it. <laughs> what I mean is, the people I am inspired by, the people I really like, the people who I follow on Instagram, that's the people who... That's because awesome read, people drink coffee. And that's my point. Right. I'm awesome, but without the coffee. What would I be like with coffee? 
probably more awesome. What am I missing? The awesomeness of coffee drinking. It tastes... Be very careful. Not right to me. Oh. It's probably something I could train you to do, darling. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that you need a coffee education. Okay. Maybe, maybe that's true. It's true. Because here's the thing. You grew up in the UK where they drink what? Instant coffee. Yes, that's right. That invention from the culinary pits of hell known as instant coffee. That's true. Horrible. Nescafe. Ugh. Revolting. I had to make, when I was back in the UK last week, my auntie and uncle came over and I was being the good host for the most and said, you know, can I make anybody tea or coffee? Which is a fatal mistake because I drink neither. Right. And so, Hi, can I make you something? <laughs> I have no idea what it's supposed to taste or look like. <laughs> <laughs> so my aunt did say, no, I can help you. And I was like, please, I think I know how to make tea and coffee. <laughs> and then I got in the kitchen and was like, wait, so how do you make this stuff? <laughs> but I didn't, there was no instructions on the side of the Nescafe jar on how to make. That's because it shouldn't be ingested. <laughs> it's so terrifying. I would like to do a blind taste test with you with a Nescafe variant and a normal drip coffee, see if you can tell the difference. Oh, babe. Just even that you can make that statement just shows your coffee ignorance that needs to be um, educated. I'm willing to be educated. Okay. I just don't like the taste of it. So find me something I like the taste of. And Okay. But well, do well, I really want an addictive substance in my body? I mean, I have enough of them. <laughs> I was like, why not? You could just add it to the, the coffee, the Coke, the sweet tea, <laughs> chocolate. I like to think of them as health supplements, though. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this, but it's so good, it's worth a double mention. But I have... I know I'm sure I've mentioned this because you said you didn't like it. The fish tacos at Sapphire Restaurant in the factory. Yeah, well, you've had them twice. I only had them once and I thought they were dry. But I re-had them this week and you were jealous. I didn't try them, but they smelled very good. You Oh no, you tried the potatoes. They have twice roasted potatoes. Yeah, those would be my undoing if I could get a hold of them on a regular basis. I'm going to go back for them this week. You are? Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, and then we saw Ant-Man this week. We did see Ant-Man Give me week. your view of Ant-Man. Well, he's very small and he wears a red outfit. <laughs> he's very hard to view because he's tiny, but he packs a punch. No, um... It was really good. I was sort of like, oh, I don't know. It sounds kind of lame. I don't remember hearing about Ant-Man and the whole Marvel Cinema Universe. I used to read comics a bit when I was little. But you made a great point. Say that again, but louder. <laughs> you made a fantastic What was point. my fantastic point? Your fantastic point was basically with the Marvel people, you can at least trust the brand. Right. Like they, they put out great movies and you you know you had compared it to the guardians of the galaxy that it's supposed to be kind of funny kind of lighthearted, but still a superhero movie that kind of thing and it, it it was exactly like that it was great and that was the point i made about the power of a brand so both of guardians of the galaxy and ant-man both based on obscure comics and by that i mean everyone's heard of batman and superman and spider-man nobody's heard of at least non-comic nerds hadn't heard of Ant-Man or Guardians of the Galaxy, and yet we went to see both of them based on the value that we'd learned to acquire from watching other Marvel movies. Right. So we like figured, the Avengers. Yeah, we, like we figured if they were good at that, they're going to be good at this, and right enough they were. Mm -hmm. And there's a lesson there for church planting. 
Which I haven't really thought about yet. <laughs> so you're just going to have to hold off on that, George Planters. <laughs> there's a lesson in there for you well, that we're a, not going to share. <laughs> I think there's a lesson there for everybody about the power of the brand. But okay. I, I'm not qualified to talk on that. Okay. Mark DuPont Creative Conference this weekend. Great conference. Tell me all about it. It was just really good. Um, talking a lot about the Tabernacle of David. I really loved... Um, he sort of broke down the difference between Solomon's tabernacle, Moses' tabernacle, and the tabernacle of David, and how, you know, Scripture talks about God's heart to restore the tabernacle of David. And when he went into that, he's like, you know, the tabernacle of David, there was no veil. There was no distance between man and God and whatever. So, I mean, he talked about a ton of stuff, but I think the main thing I took out of it was just another little nugget about how much God wants to be close to us. But he also talked a lot about creativity and, and, you know, God being creative and us being made in his image and being able to step into that creativity. So it was great. And on the topic of creativity, how amazing was worship this weekend? So good. Absolutely unbelievable. So good. Didn't matter who was leading worship. It was all awesome. Didn't matter. No. Just incredible. And this morning's worship was just off the charts. It was fantastic. And I loved this morning we had... Sarah on one side and Elena on the other side, both dancing throughout all of worship. And it just, I don't know. It was amazing. This morning was amazing. I keep joking about me dancing because it's an easy joke to make. Mm -hmm. But I am watching like all the dancers in our church begin to dance, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm watching people like Elena and Sarah, you know, just there's such an anointing on them to dance Mm -hmm. that it's drawing something (laughs) Out of me now. Nobody mm-hmm. needs to be scared. Oh <laughs> but it is like I'm going to just... start wearing teal, steel toe shoes. <laughs> there is just this amazing anointing that's released in worship when our dance assessors dance. They're dance assessors. I just made that up. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't make it up. I borrowed the term. Was it dancers? <laughs> um, but it, but it is incredible. There, you know, and it's the same when we have our painters painting during worship. There, yes. There's. Our painter-sessors. Our painter-sessors, our dance-sessors, <laughs> our beatbox-sessors. Yeah, I mean, it is the same. It's funny, to me, it feels like, sometimes it feels like, you know, you're at the place and you're, it's not like you're stuck, but it feels like worship has hit a plateau, and then somebody like Elena will get up, or even Allison on the violin, or whatever, and it's like they're a can opener for the Holy Spirit. Like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, we just shoot right through that barrier into, you know, just going to a deeper place. Incredible. Well done, Grace and our worship team. Mm. You guys did an awesome job. Our topic for this week. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. A topic very close to my heart. Yes. Because I've been having lots of feelings this week. You do. You have lots of feelings. <laughs> we could talk about your donut feelings. <laughs> There's something real about feelings and comfort and Donuts, isn't there? <laughs> I have found that donuts are a very effective grieving tool. Really? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And chocolate. Mm-hmm. And video games. Mm-hmm. No, I, I really just want to talk about feelings this week. Okay. And a lot of probably what we're going to share was taught to us by Dan Farrelly from Bethel Church in Redding, California. Dan's come out um, a couple of years in a row now to teach in our school, and he's mm-hmm. just this great teacher. But his teaching on feelings especially was was superb and um, very, very helpful. But what I'm finding funny is I'm having 
you know, obviously for those of you who are new, my mom died two weeks ago. And so, you know, went over to the funeral. And I think I talked last week about how the momentum of all the events just carried me through and I didn't really have to feel anything. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm back and I'm back in normal life, I'm aware of all these feelings. And it's quite an unusual feeling for me to feel these feelings because normally I'm I'm usually not driven by my feelings. Yes. And this week I have been. And typically when you start feeling things, then you start analyzing what you're feeling because you're unused to feeling things. Right. And if you're not careful, you'll come to wrong conclusions mm-hmm. because... They seem real. They seem real, but don't believe everything you feel is a very good life motto. Right. I think somewhere along the line, we can be tricked into thinking that we are what we feel. And actually, our feelings are just a part of us. Right. And you can change your feelings quite easily. And they're not meant to be the dominant part of you. Right. So I'm having fun this week having, like, it feels like I'm getting on with the rest of my life and somewhere over to my right are some feelings that are convincing me to try and feel the way they're talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and most of the feelings are quite negative feelings. Right. And I think thanks to Dan's teaching and thanks to a whole bunch of inner healing, I'm realizing it's not going to be a great turnout if I partner with those negative feelings. Right. And I think, and I'm not an expert in this, but I think probably because I'm in a grieving season, I would say lots of my feelings are hugely amplified. And that's the trick. That's kind of like the way I feel like the enemy is overplaying his hand in Mm -hmm. that the feelings that I'm being offered to feel are so much larger than life and so ridiculous that I'm thinking, I don't think that's healthy to go over there. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So for example... So, for example, I'll be sitting, minding my own business, doing something like I've got a project coming up at work, and I'm just throwing myself into that. I'm quite grateful for the project that helps me um, hide. Have, well, mm. not necessarily hide, but have a focus and right. you know something to get focused on. So, I'll be focused on you know this particular thing, and kind of over to my right hand side will be this overwhelming feeling of something absurd, like you know what, fine, I'm done with this and I'm going to move to China, you know, just something so <laughs> ridiculous. I'll miss you, darling. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm like, oh, okay, you know, something's going on. Something's trying to get my attention. Yeah. So that's a thought that's trying to influence my feeling. Sometimes it's a feeling. Sometimes it's, um, I might be feeling sleepy, but instead of being sleeping, it's like, I am exhausted. It's like I'm a teenager you know everything is magnified everything is magnified and then my reactions i'm aware of are hugely magnified now thankfully i'm remembering that i don't have to control other people but i can exercise Mm self-control so my desire to like i've had a couple of funny interactions with servers where they'll ask me a question and because i am so maybe fraught or stretched out i'm super literal Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing, oh, this thing could escalate really, really quickly because I'm there's a temptation of being really, really short. Mm-hmm. Just like, step away from the server. I, just calm I had down. many such run-ins after my dad died. Really? Yeah, I didn't process, process it. Yeah, I didn't process it as well as you are. <laughs> so I just would snap at people. Like they would come up and be like, oh, you know, you're talking to somebody. Why are you crying? My father died. I'm sorry. Why did you do it? Like I'd be totally like... <laughs> You know, and 
people I'm with are like, sorry, you know, and I didn't see what the problem was at the time. Uh, our friend Aline is from Switzerland, and this morning she brought me a bag of chocolate that had been handmade by a Swiss chocolatier. Elf. No. Not an elf. <laughs> and she said, you know, here's a bag of chocolate. Because I made a joke yesterday that chocolate is a great grieving tool. So she brings me this chocolate. This therapeutic chocolate. And so I open it up and I'm eating a piece. And somebody next to me said, can I have a piece of your chocolate? And I was like, why did your mum die too? That was me. <laughs> you wouldn't share it with me. I'm grieving too, you know. It was my therapeutic but, chocolate too. But I wasn't trying to be funny. It was just like the literal <laughs> logical step. You know, so I, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I'm having to put a wide buffer between me and... And, and other people. <laughs> Who might not quite understand you at this moment. Right. But here's a good thing. You don't need to be afraid of feelings. Like no. even these extreme feelings. Because they do come and go. Like I, I was speaking to members of my family and they were talking about how grief is like a wave. And, you know, like right now I'm talking to you, I'm laughing about it. I, I feel completely fine. Mm-hmm. I don't feel a wreck. I don't feel like I'm grieving. I don't feel sad. I feel quite happy. And later you might want to punch a baby seal. I mean, you just never know. (laughs) And that's the thing, because feelings, they come and they go, and mostly they're temporary. Yeah. And I've found that I can change how I'm feeling by talking about them, by sharing my feelings, by eating a bar of chocolate, by (laughs) by going to sleep, by going for a run. Yeah. And by run, I mean a walk. (laughs) By walk, you mean a stroll. (laughs) (laughs) But no, you can do any of those things. It's true. Here's a lesson that Dan taught us that it seems like most people using Facebook have yet to learn. And that is having a feeling is reasonable, but expressing it may not be. Right. I just read a Facebook post before I came up here where this person had written a five-point rebuttal to somebody who more than likely is not going to read the Facebook post. So he's posted to the rest of the world except the very person that needs to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, like, well, seriously. Why was it to the president? <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't get me started on that one. Sorry. And the thing is, too, I mean, when you're going through grief, you need to be able to give yourself the grace and the space to feel how you feel and go through it. But you're still a person who lives around other people. Right. Who are, they still matter, too, and their feelings matter and their needs matter. And so... You're you're not grieving in a a bubble. You're grieving around other people. You know, like you're you have the challenge of which I never had. You're grieving, but you have kids around you who still need a daddy. Who still, you know, they they love you. They want to touch you or give you a cuddle or give you a kiss or whatever. Um, for whatever reason, I there's plenty of grace for that. Mm-hmm. I think the harder thing is I'm also a public figure. Mm-hmm. And so I'm realizing that some things that demand an emotional input from me, mm-hmm. I don't have grace for in this this week, certainly. Right. Here's a simple example. We went to the movie theater to watch Ant-Man, as we've already mentioned, and loved Ant-Man. It was an hour and a half of sheer nonsense. It was lighthearted. I laughed out loud. It was It was really therapeutic. The previews before it were not good. They were all high drama, and I was just about in tears over fiction. I mean, I'm not, and that's not how I'm wired, but I'm almost in tears right. about these fictional, overly emotional situations. Right. So, of course, being a pastor, for example, at church this morning, I could not be on ministry team. I mean, I'm sure I could have, but Jeff was very great, gracious in not asking me to be. Mm-hmm. But the thought of 
interacting with people on a deeply emotional level, that would not have been a pretty sight, I don't think. Right. And so, you know, there's plenty of other areas I can serve in church, but that's one thing I'm 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 aware of, and I'm sure that you know, of, of course, that will calibrate itself. It's my first week back, but yeah. that's that's a funny thing for me as well because normally I'm not aware of that. Mm-hmm. What about your whole thing about your head will lie to you, but your body won't? Explain that. Well, again, that was taught to us by Dan. It's a great a great line. Usually, your body will bring to light what you need to know. So usually, especially if you're a high-functioning, for example, in that particular situation, like if you're, so in my situation, I've got a really understanding church community, a really understanding boss. Mm -hmm. But if I was a high-powered lawyer and I'm being paid thousands of dollars an hour to do something, I don't have the luxury of crying in the you know while interviewing a witness in a court case. I just have to suck it up and get on with on with my job. So there's a danger if you live like that. And you exercise high levels of self-control that you can delude yourself into thinking you're not feeling things or things aren't affecting to you. Right. And that's that whole thing of your your head will lie to you. No, I'm not nervous. I'm mm-hmm. not anxious, but your body won't. Your stomach is turning. My stomach is turning. Either. I can't sleep at night. Right. And so usually there's some indicators in in the way that you're wired that indicates your, your heart is crying for attention. Mm-hmm. So, for example, un- being unable to sleep, losing your appetite, losing your sex drive. Um, not that that's ever a problem for you. <laughs> but what I mean is that there'll be, you know, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I got up to speak and I speak for a living. I am rarely ever nervous speaking. Right. But I noticed I got up to speak and I was halfway through my sermon, I'm like, I can't do this. And what that tells me is my body is telling me something my head is trying to ignore. Right. So paying attention to physical symptoms in your body is hugely important for your for the longevity of your 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 life. And the great thing for us is we're surrounded by people that get it. Right. So we could literally turn around and say, I'm just not able to do this right now. And it would get covered, mm-hmm. which is lovely. I remember when Dan was here, he said this. He said, crisis, pain, and loss are not optional in this life. And if you close yourself to these, you close your heart to opportunity, joy, and love. These are experienced in the same spot in your heart, and God often works on them to shape us. Yeah. And this is why we take notes, people, because when he taught that, I wasn't facing any crisis or pain or loss. So you're like, oh, that's a great point. But you write it down so that when you are in a season of crisis, pain, and loss, you're like, what did he say about that? And, you know, you can hold on to that. Incidentally, that's also why the Word of God is written down. So that when you're facing anything, it hasn't changed. That's right. He's still there. He's still the same God. He still has the same promises. He still has the same amount of love and comfort for you. And that's what's amazing about the presence of God. Yeah. You can bring your feelings to God and say, God, I'm feeling this. What's the truth about it? Mm -hmm. And that is an absolute vital thing to do. I mean, God is not threatened by your feelings. No. And what was glorious this morning, I think my worship, for me personally, my worship was so amazing this morning is we probably spent a good 45 minutes singing the same song over and over and over, and it was all about the goodness of God. Not that I doubt the goodness of God at all, and not that I feel like my mom dying has any impact on the goodness of God, but having this truth and not just singing the truth, but getting in touch with the truth of God's goodness and allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to your feelings is so powerful. Oh yeah, it's amazing. I think we have a couple of options when we're feeling negative emotions. 
One is to ignore it, which just is Never setting a time work. bomb. Exactly. Yeah. The other is to believe it, which isn't helpful. Well, because then you're going to partner with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And the last is to acknowledge it and just submit it to God and just say, God, this is how I feel. Could you give me your perspective? Yeah, I need some help here. And he's just so good at trading your sorrows for joy. Yeah, I mean, he's so good at that. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. Yeah, those are real things. Ah, it's amazing. And that that's the kind of stuff when you do go through grieving, that if you haven't been through something like that before, you realize how real that stuff is. That's right. not pretty language. That's a, a real exchange that God makes that makes the difference. Any other thoughts on feelings? I was just thinking when I was um, when I was away with YWAM, and this would have been in 93, beginning of 94, so it was about three years after my dad died. One day, one morning, got up and was in touch with grieving for the first time. I had just shoved it down for three years. And I was instantly angry. Like, I, I can't remember which I know there's like five phases of grieving. I'm sure anger's not the first one. Chocolate, donuts. Yeah, right. <laughs> Video oh, yeah. games. <laughs> anger and then. Um, but I was instantly in touch with anger and I, I didn't know what to do. And I remember going to the base leaders and them just saying, AJ, give God your anger. And I was like, that's not okay. Because actually I'm partially angry at him. You know, I'm partially angry at God. And the base leaders were like, well, then talk to him about that. He knows how you feel already anyway, and he's not threatened by your anger. So just go ahead and talk to him. And I remember thinking, gosh, I've never thought that was okay. But the truth is, if you're a great dad, you have an open relationship with your kids. You know, you want them to be able to tell that you how they feel so you can help them process that correctly. And, you know, work it through. And and God's no different than that. He's just way better at it, you know. So I guess my thoughts are whatever your feelings are, they're safe with God. Um, they're probably not safe in your own head being regurgitated over and over again, but they're safe to give to God and ask what he wants to do with them, what exchange he wants to make. Brilliant, babe. Mm-hmm. Well, should we go have a nap? Special naps? <laughs> well. Whatever. Is that on your list of five things? Donuts, special naps. <laughs> Nothing like a special cuddle to just make everything all okay. <laughs> You're adorable. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> true. Well, thank you for tuning in. If you would like the show notes for this week's episode, go to ellenandaj.com slash 61. If you would like to ask us a question or you have um, some feedback from this week's show, go to ellenandaj.com slash ask. And fill out the form there. We'd love to hear from you. Other than that, have an absolutely incredible week. Enjoy your feelings. Partner with God about what you're feeling this week. And we will be with you next week. Let's go eat donuts. Let's go snuggle.